Well, hello there, film fans, film enthusiasts, film goers, and of course, filmmakers. You have locked into the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. And this is the destination where you come to hear all about the amazing films that we have on our site, flickfair.com. Just what kind of films do we have? Well, we have documentaries, short films, dramas, feature films, action, science fiction, horror, animation, experimental, music video, you name it, we've got it. But the big question is, why haven't you gotten your pass? Well, it's easy. Just go to flickfair.com to get your festival pass today. And speaking of passes, are you a filmmaker? Have you been chomping at the bit to get your latest creation? in the hands of us here at flickfair.com? Well, it's easy. Just go to flickfair.com and sign up. And once you have, you'll also have your own festival pass. So you can see just all the magic that is happening behind the curtain, as well as your own beautiful work of art that you will be screening to all the viewers around the world. Now, you hear that? That's the sound the little hands on a pocket watch, ticking ever so gently as the world spins around in space. That's the sound of our eyelids gently flickering to a close as we tuck ourselves with regret into our beds with dreams that trouble us about the past, about memories, about things we wish we could have done differently. And somehow they play over and over and over in our heads, always in time to the cadence of those little hands ticking nonstop on that pocket watch. Dreams. Hmm. We all have them, don't we? And today's guest is here to talk all about What if? That magic phrase. What if? Right after this, you're listening to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. I bet you've got a story to tell. Of course you do. You're a filmmaker, and you've been waiting for your moment to find just the right festival to present your fabulous film. Well, there's no time like the present, so go to flickfair.com to register and screen your film for the masses. Winners are awarded every month, so what are you waiting for? Enter your film at flickfair.com. Every month, tons of new films from filmmakers all over the world make their entry at the Flick Fair Film Festival. And you can check out all the hottest new films by going to flickfair.com. Get your pass today. Welcome back to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. Well, as I teased before our little break there, our special guest this time around is sort of a magician of sorts, especially when it comes to dreams. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right to it with a log line.
Logline. A desperate father chases after alternate realities to find one where his late daughter had the chance to live a full lifetime. Hi, I'm Gabriel Valbuena, and I am the writer-director of the film If. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast, and that is our guest, Gabriel Valbuena, who is the genius behind the very, very beautifully rendered If that you can find at flickfair.com right now. Well, Gabriel, welcome to the podcast. It's uh, certainly a pleasure to have you here with us. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you for the uh, very flattering introduction. <laughs> well, it's, it's certainly well-deserved. Uh, I've watched your film several times and I've marveled at so many uh, wonderful details that you have embedded throughout this, um, this uh, beautiful narrative. Why don't you tell our, our listeners what the story is behind If? What, uh, what is this story? Well, the story itself is about a grieving father who just continues to be thinking about what his what his daughter's life could have been if, of course, she had been able to to not uh, pass away at a, a very young age. And uh, it kind of it's very very emotion based in that um, all the visuals just just kind of go with a very stream of con consciousness kind of thing, mm. where um, it's just kind of like that feeling of grief that just like keeps hitting upon a, a character or a person so is it is it a is it a personal story for you this is obvious this is probably a rhetorical question more so than a question question but is this a personal story for you as the writer director well i think i had um just a lot of my childhood had a lot of uh grief involved in that i i had um like my my mother's Grand, my mother's mother would pass away at, at one out before I was ten. Mm -hmm. uh, my uh, I was raised Catholic, and my godmother's uh, parents both passed away within uh, the same the, within the same year. Mm. And uh, yeah, so like grief was kind of like always a part of uh, my thinking, I guess, in mm. that like you know just that feeling of impermanence that things can. Uh, the direction of your life can change without really recognizing it and it can't go back to the way it was before. Mm, so, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think that that feeling of like longing and, and uh, thinking about what could have been is, you know, something that, that just has always been with me in some way. Mm -hmm. And uh, speaking of your childhood and your, your upbringing, you have a Spanish Cuban um, background. Yes, yes, I do. I and, was, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was uh, raised in in Miami and would live between uh, Miami and, and Spain because on holidays we would go uh, to visit family for for the, for like Christmas or like Three Kings Day over there. Mm. Uh, so I'd actually get two holidays of, of receiving presents because in the U.S. you get, you get presents and in uh on christmas and then uh in spain you you get presents on three kings day which is january 6th so mm. it's kind of like back-to-back presents mm. so of course uh, as a kid you it's something you're very much so, into <laughs> so, so so i imagine your upbringing your 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 background your heritage 
um, as well as the sort of grief and tragedies that have happened in your life all kind of sort of gelled together to create this landscape, this sort of uh, magical landscape that you've uh, created here with the film If. My my grandmother, she would always, uh, well, from, from a young age, she would tell me and my cousins a lot of fairy tales about like wolves and just things to scare us. And, uh, but that kind of sparked in me a love of myths and fairy tales and legends. And um, and so where the story actually originated, uh, well, at, at the core of the of the film, it's it's kind of like creating a myth around the idea of of uh, time and space. Mm. In that um, the idea of a father time is you know it's it's already like it's a phrase we, we're familiar with, and so I kind of wanted to add to that in uh, creating like you. Know, you know, creating a counterpart to a father to a father time in, in a daughter's space. Mm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there you have a, a time and space myth. Why did you feel compelled compelled to tell this story? Originally, the story, fr- frankly, it was a it was a love story, but it was in that it was like about a man and a woman, mm. and it just it wasn't connecting with me. In mm. uh, it just it didn't re- resonate with me like. Of course, like the that feeling of loss is something that that is still there, but it was more so that the sensation of like thinking of what could have been mm. that was yeah that was that was really just what I wanted to to explore because at the at the time uh before uh, writing the story, you know, I was just very very much just thinking about. All the different things that I I could be doing, the mm. the risks that I could be taking, uh, I would just be thinking a lot of of just the possibilities that uh, could be happening, the risks I could be taking, and uh, I'm, that's a feeling that's uh, that exists in many people's lives. And I guess I wanted to I wanted to be at peace with uh, regret or that feeling of of things that feeling of that things can't happen anymore mm. and that's okay mm-hmm. do and, you see uh, yeah. do you see yourself more in the do you see yourself more in the father or, or more in the daughter so i see myself uh, a bit in each of the characters in both the, the father and the daughter the father in that um he's he's seeking to find that that possibility that couldn't happen and uh and so he's just you know overthinking everything trying to seek out what is not possible to find so what the way uh the story is is uh constructed is that there are two different realities and in one reality she um it's the father who who's grieving his daughter who's wondering who she could become mm. in in the present and in the daughter's reality what it actually is is that for her she never got to know her father mm. so so the letters are are more so her trying to imagine what uh her, who her father was without ever actually knowing him 
Mm-hmm. So, so there are these two characters in very different existences, yeah, uh, trying to find the other. Um, in in one case, not even knowing that they're trying to find the other. Would you call this science fiction? I would call this more of a psychological fantasy. Hmm. In that, hmm. um, I think the mind is is really a it's a tool for for fantasy and for mm-hmm. science fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's able to, you know, you're able to to just create things in your mind that that you know technology in a science fiction film can create, or mm. that a fantasy world in a in a fantasy story can create. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so like that's why in in the story you don't really see like like you think of like time travel and you think of um, multiverse things and you you your mind goes to like these time machines and and things that can transport you somewhere but this is much more much more based in thought mm. rather than well, yeah, inter- a time machine that's interesting because the title is if and any kind of scientific experiment always begins with an if with a hypothesis of right, what yeah. could possibly be as w- as well as fantasy or any kind of imaginative um sort of rendering of a story so to speak um you have these this this wonderful monologue rendered from uh, the father that is very lyrical and poetic and he opens by by saying uh how much he has to stop thinking um but also wondering so much about what could be what could be what could be only if you know um, right yeah and um and so many so many of our classics so many of our classic fantasy and science fiction where very little explosions take place or very little <laughs> you know um big blockbuster effects that we we're used to today uh are not uh, present in the classics it all com- boils down to the magic word if or mm-hmm. what if um in fact I want to jump to one of these uh, lovely clips from the film so our viewers can actually get an idea of what uh, sort of magical uh, dreamscape you've created with this film. Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. you are listening to the Flick Fair podcast with uh, yours truly, Akil Wingate. And our guest, Gabriel Valbuena, has brought his film, If. And now you're in for a treat. We're going to let you hear one of these wonderful morsels from this film right here. We'll be right back.
by some chance, one day, I'll give up on thinking. Imagining there could be some world where you have grown up, have memories to look back on. But I'll keep fooling myself. I'll keep thinking that all I need to do is look up. And you'll be there. Every month, tons of new films from filmmakers all over the world make their entry at the Flick Fair Film Festival. And you can check out all the hottest new films by going to flickfair.com. Get your pass today. This is the Flick Fair Podcast with your host, Akia Wingate. Welcome back to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. Our guest is the writer-director behind the film, If, Gabriel Valbuena. Gabriel, I, I absolutely have to say that 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 clip that the uh, listeners got a piece of uh, right before we went to break um, has so many magical elements in it. You have this... Uh, this touching monologue from the lead character Cassus, as well as the sweeping music um, that all kind of collides together and creates this this uh, sort of magical tapestry that you have here. Um, mm -hmm. When you when you were writing during your writing process, uh, what did you start with? This is sort of a chicken and the egg kind of question. Did you start with uh, an idea of a, of a fable or did you start with an idea of some sort of action taking place or? Uh... Yeah, yeah. So uh, this story actually came from uh, a source that usually I don't go to in that it just like ha happens to me in my own life. It, and that's from, so, so if you watch the film, there's this uh, staircase in the film. The spiral staircase. Right, yeah, yeah. there's a spiraling staircase. And that's, uh, that's uh, I, I wanted that to be the center point of the film. But mm. going back to where the story came from. Uh, so I had just uh, moved to Tallahassee and mm. I, I went with some family to, to uh, just explore uh, the downtown area. Mm -hmm. And um, there was this, um, this parking lot that it led to the staircase and and yeah, you go to the, the top and you reach a plaza. But uh, if you go all the way to the bottom of that staircase, uh, it just was this stunning image of looking up and seeing the the clouds roll by from the from the window above, and uh, the sun was just beaming through. It was mm -hmm. midday, so it was it was practically hitting me. Mm -hmm. And uh, way at the top. Uh, my my mom came came from she arrived at the top of the staircase and it just had such a such a strange humbling uh sensation to it wow so uh, where, so your mother was standing probably in the same place where the daughter yeah. was standing and you were standing Pretty similar yeah. in, the, in the same place where the father was standing yeah so, kind, so of, kind of like a role reversal there exactly yeah it was totally a role reversal of uh who was the parent <laughs> um and yeah after after I saw that, I, I just would imagine uh, these hundreds of, of uh, duplicates of, of a character rushing up the staircase, trying to get to that person at the top. Mm. And, uh, and immediately I tried to find the, 
who owns the that parking structure <laughs> because I just really wanted to to use that as a as a part of a film mm. and uh luckily it all it all worked out uh there was uh it was it was not confirmed at all whether it was going to work out or not but it's, 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 yeah, it's, it a, it's a it's a parking it's a yeah it's a, it's a yeah. parking garage it's a it's a parking garage it's a stair so each each level of that staircase leads to a different area of the of the parking lot and mm. but yeah that's just the the magic of filmmaking that you can make a make a, a real place that seemingly shouldn't have any magic to it and mm. and give it give it a a zing yeah it's it's a beautiful uh beautiful looking uh setting in, in fact that 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 shot um looking up at the up through the ceiling up through the the big sky skylight up at the top um mm -hmm. and then you have that juxtaposed against like this the the pocket watch and the and the compass and it looks like a giant pocket watch or compass at the at, at, uh, right yeah I the... was uh, I was uh, a bit unsure about including a a watch in a film about uh, exploring time, mm. <laughs> but uh, seeing the having that staircase have um, and and thinking about how a compass can kind of correlate to a watch mm. in that like a a, uh, a compass orients you in space well a, oh a watch orients you in time and i just felt that they went really hand in hand mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so yeah that just kind of brought me to okay i guess we're using a stopwatch <laughs> or a pocket watch the the okay. uh the one of the things i want to go back to you, you going back to the 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 inspiration for the story where your mother was standing up at the top and you were at the bottom i'm just curious has your has your family seen the film and if oh, so what, what sure, has yeah. their their reaction been to to it yeah my family has seen the seen the film and and they're they, they love it yeah uh mm. my um i i really wanted the film to have a have a grand feel to it yeah and, and a kind of a kind of like a, a blockbuster feel to it even though our budget was minuscule mm -hmm. um and uh and so yeah it's, it's kind of fun uh seeing my family's reaction to to this this film that seems like it has a pretty big scope um mm, mm, mm -hmm. and uh yeah so I, i'm really pleased that that they're happy with it my my mom actually uh showed it to to one of her her friends who had lost uh lost her son mm -hmm. and uh it it had been able to to have to have an effect on her in in helping her process things and that's something that i couldn't have asked for for yeah. in the making of it getting to this sense of uh of of magic making with very little <laughs> yeah this is this is this is the the sort of um million dollar question like if you can bottle it and sell it you'd be you know you'd be a multi-billionaire um, right yeah but for as you as you reference, you said you had a, a very very small budget, but so much is happening in this film. Uh, just the just the cinematography by itself. Um, you have these sweeping shots that they're constantly moving, um, mm -hmm. that are happening at such a pace, but at the same time are very fluid and very uh, sort of musical almost. Um, right. Yeah. 
my my immediate question was when you are when you're working under uh, tight financial constraints but you know that the concept is 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 grand how do you get from idea to to the realization of it did you start with a lot of storyboards exhaustive storyboards for example or yeah you... yeah mm -hmm. that, yeah that's a good good question um certainly i like i like to think in a very grandiose way but you can't always achieve that mm. uh as much as you try but uh i am i'm personally very big on storyboarding i come from a background of drawing and painting and and uh and now i create concept art as well and uh so i was i was completely digging into the the visuals of the film mm. far far before the the actual production mm -hmm. so much so that i could basically create an animatic of the of the of certain areas of the film where it mm. was actually watchable mm. and mm. uh and that was showing me like whether the scene worked or not and of course when when you're in such such uh, tight time constraints, such a, such a small budget, of course, you kind of have to make sure that everything works out perfectly mm -hmm. beforehand, so that mm -hmm. you don't find surprises later on. Yeah. Um, do you? Yeah. Do those ideas when you're when you are storyboarding, when you are actually rendering as an artist, when you're actually rendering these images uh, on paper, for example? Mm -hmm. um, how do you get these ideas? Where do they come from? Are you one of these people that you just suddenly say, okay, I'm going to do it right now? Or are you hit with ideas in the middle of the night or some strange place uh, out in the street? And then you suddenly have to start storyboarding? Um, what's, oh, what's, yeah. your, what's your process like? Yeah, late night ideas certainly are is something that has kept me up late at night. Uh -huh. Or just trying to go to sleep and then you keep thinking of of like oh that that's a really cool idea i should write that down somewhere mm. and uh, so you get out of bed write it down and then go back to bed and then get out of bed write it write it down and go back to bed so that certainly is something that that has uh that's been a part of my process uh-huh and how um, do you how do you make them coherent so you get all these ideas and you write them down do you like have a <laughs> you have like a whiteboard with sudden tons of post-its linked together and then <laughs> Or, or... Yeah, no, no whiteboard. I think uh, the first thing that I that I feel through is just the emotion of of a of a plot point, and just mm -hmm. kind of see where the story takes takes the the visuals, where it takes the the story. Following the emotion, the emotion of where where the characters take you. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times, the the characters in the in a story, they can you know they can create their own lives and and at that point you're just kind of following them along mm. what would your what would your advice be to for example because uh uh you are a, a writer a director a visual effects artist you're an artist what would your advice be to other filmmakers who uh sort of have the same kind of dna uh or blood type so to speak as you who are trying to for example render something as beautiful as you have here um and they're they're just starting out with the idea and they don't know where to begin what would your what would your uh, advice be to them yeah my advice would be to to visualize it in some way mm. um 
like in the credits, you can see that I'm a visual effects artist. I was also a, a supervisor, visual effects supervisor on this film. Mm. And uh, and prior to this film, I did not have um, much experience at all with visual effects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, but the thing is that the idea of this story is something that influenced me to learn as much as I could and see what was possible. Mm. Um, and in learning that, it really helped me to uh, create new ideas from from the things that I learned that I knew mm. that I learned was, were possible. Mm. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, once you get a certain understanding of of uh, what you can do visually, it'll really open your mind to not being locked into what you can do in reality. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. the the other question then would be uh film school or no film school <laughs> for me i'd say uh film school was was very much something that i that i needed mm -hmm. uh, at that point in my life uh simply because i didn't come from a filmmaking background like i said i came from an art background mm. uh my my grandma actually would would uh pester me about going about not going to film school because she wanted me to to go to art school and I'm, i was like grandma uh, film school is art school <laughs> uh so um but but yeah uh so i came from a, a visual arts background and, and going to film school allowed me to to get on set and learn how to uh, cr uh create these paintings in real life mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. but I, I think it's for each person it'll be it'll be their own journey yeah so um for me it was useful i don't know how i would uh gain that experience in filmmaking mm -hmm. without film school mm -hmm. uh but for someone else who does have more access to to filmmaking resources then it might be a different story yeah yeah one of the the other things i want to jump back to you uh after you mentioned visualization uh in terms of making some coherence out of your ideas and 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 building a process for the filmmaking um what about the 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 challenge of communicating these 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 brilliant ideas to a team mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that was a that was a process in itself uh mm -hmm. so what what i did i created a a very coherent slideshow explaining the the world of the story mm. and uh so i went deep into the into the characters into the world itself how into how the world itself works mm -hmm. um and would explain things that just weren't even in the final film because the crew is going to have to know exactly what you mean when you're talking about like all these um kind of psychedelic ideas so uh yeah and like i said i i was storyboarded to the point where i had certain scenes that were watchable animatics mm, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that was something that was very useful to show to um the crew and there's a lot of trust that has to 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 be yeah, involved I imagine. yeah especially especially with with uh working with the actors because mm. um we weren't shooting completely uh in order so uh they a lot of the time they would have to trust me as to like like trust me this is going to look right when when we do when uh the, the scene is edited together mm -hmm. and uh and yeah thankfully um we we did establish that trust and 
and it came through in the final film. Are you are you very hands on as as an artist a director? Do you is it is it is it always tempting, uh, for example, to want to get behind the camera part from from time to time and 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 take the shot yourself, or are you 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 are very very uh, very very yeah. laid back about okay, just go ahead. This is the shot. Go and yeah. As someone who thinks visually. Mm. Um, that is certainly something that I have to sometimes uh, hold my hands behind my back about. Yeah. Uh, but uh, at the same time, working with the DP to be able to to guide the the shot to to become what's in your in your mind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, yeah, like, but we we would talk about uh, storyboards and exactly like how the shot would look. Mm. Um, lighting was something that I I let the our DP and gaffer. Uh, go ahead with like I gave a general um general ideas over what I wanted for the lighting but they would uh, certainly deliver I think the the final film came out looking pretty nice so I think they well, did, did a great job well for example that the as as viewers will see watching this film uh speaking of the lighting there are these wonderful moments with this uh white sort of background portal so to speak um i i kind of referred to it as as uh well while well, our lead character crosses into this sort of white uh what could we call it like a white um, it's like a heavenly kind yeah, of yeah i was going to say yeah. heaven i was going to say heaven <laughs> right. in a second actually i was gonna say it's like either a heaven or a portal depending on on where you where you how you how you perceive it um but he crosses into the this this white uh, hereafter, let's say that mm -hmm. a white hereafter, heaven for some people, uh, uh, an alternate reality for some other people, um, and it's it's rendered so nicely with uh, with a technique that was that's obviously very simple to do, but mm -hmm. but in this case um, makes it all work. Um, why was it so important to keep things simple? Because it was important to keep things simple, uh, in because there's a lot of there's a lot going on visually in mm, the film. Mm. So so having kind of very um, strong silhouetted shots mm. that that easily convey what is where the characters are was yeah. pretty important for for a film that's going to be rapidly moving across across uh locations and and uh time space <laughs> so there's a lot of geometry and architecture uh at play as well um and in the mm -hmm. introduction to today's episode i referred to you as kind of a magician uh you'll probably hate me for doing this but <laughs> mag magicians don't like their tricks revealed um speaking of the the heaven the portal the hereafter and then of course there's also this long expanse of a hallway um or a walkway where our lead character sees himself i guess going into the future or going into another reality and he's chasing after himself but also right. the the shot looking up to the skylight and we have the spiral staircase and the multiple incarnations of the daughter on the staircase. Um, all these wonderful elements that are very, very magical. 
and uh, for viewers, this is probably more so for viewers rather than just for for filmmakers who are getting a technical kind of behind the scenes kind of thing. But for viewers looking at it, they're probably thinking, wow, this is amazing. How did he do this? <laughs> um, but but as as you've already said, we've kept things simple. Yes. With the with the filmmaking. So um, how did you come to these these wonderful choices uh for example the the long expanse you know with the arced uh the archways where we see our lead character in uh, we see one version of our lead character and the other sees himself as well as the the spiral staircase with all the incarnations of the daughter on the staircase and of course the silhouettes going into the white foggy heaven where did these uh these simple but amazing options come from yeah, they're, uh, playing with geometry was something that I really wanted to do with this film. And you can see it in our, in our locations and production design mm -hmm. where um, in a lot of, so, so that in the, in the film, you'll see a lot of vertical lines mm. and those represent, uh, you know, things being stuck in their place, things being upright and they, they can't, you know, they're not, able to bend in any way mm. and so that's why uh it was important for me to make the spiraling staircase the center point of the film because it's that point where finally the main character can almost reach that uh reality where where he could see his daughter again yeah that's so, where the the compass doesn't calibrate once he once he finally connects with where she is the compass no longer cal calibrates perfectly um it yeah it yeah flips between directions and it's almost as if it's saying to him and as well saying to us uh if you're looking for home this is where home is right exactly yeah yeah and uh so yeah um having having those rigid lines of of uh much of the film and, and having the curvature of the staircase mm. um was was really vital to the storytelling in a mm. in a really like subconscious kind of way. Mm -hmm. So so filmmakers listening, looking for some some simple but amazing ideas. Uh, lines are 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 pivotal sometimes to, mm -hmm. <laughs> to 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 pulling off the best magic trick or the best illusion. Like any magician, not even only not even with just filmmaking, but any magician or illusionist would tell you that sometimes all it comes down to are are, are lines. What we mm -hmm. what we see and then what we think we see, um, which yeah, is, line can do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, um, there's another wonderful clip in the film where uh, the father reaches out and he finally clasps the hand of his little girl, and the color scheme suddenly kind of warps into sort of a. Um, uh, a nightscape for the little girl, and then of course some more, more a warmer kind of uh, temperature for for the father. Um, and she closes her eyes, and they have this wonderful moment where they're holding hands, and the music stops, the score stops, and there's this uh, nice silence between them. Um, and it's 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 tremendously touching. Uh, listeners, you're gonna hear it right here. In fact. This is the Flick Fair official film festival podcast. And our guest is Gabriel Valbuena, who is the writer-director behind If. We'll be right back right after this clip. 
Maybe I'll always have that part of me that can't help but think. That in some world, it could have turned out different. That there could still be a way to find that reality where things were different. Sometime, somewhere, lost between it all. You are listening to the Flick Fair Podcast with Akil Wingate. Be sure to get your Flick Fair Festival Pass at FlickFair.com. This is the Flick Fair Podcast, and we are tuned in. Welcome back to the Flick Fair Film Festival official podcast with yours truly, Akil Wingate. And right before we went to the break, you got to hear another morsel from Gabriel Valbuena's brilliant film, If. Uh, Gabriel, well, um, my one of the things that is, that is tugging at me is this music, this score that was rendered by uh, three of your colleagues. Um, can you can you talk to us about the score for for if? Yeah, so so score the score was something that I really wanted to to carry the film mm. along with the visuals and create kind of this uh, this dance between between what we see and what we hear. Mm-hmm. And so um, we 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 got the we were able to to acquire the the music first, mm-hmm. and we constructed it in such a way to to fit a narrative and then from there it, it uh it's where uh it was up, up to me i guess to to begin uh putting in the visuals and uh feeling through what we're what we're hearing mm. and uh mm-hmm. as someone who's as, as someone who's visual um how do you build a bridge to something that is so auditory uh like like this the score for example when you are when you're working on a, a project like this and you are trying to communicate for example to a composer or to someone who's sourcing music uh what you see in your mind but have to make them understand it in terms of, of notes in terms of sound in terms of music how do you communicate that yeah so actually the way um i've i've been able to work uh sometimes is is a uh, being able to communicate with a, with a composer about uh, the story, but also like how the story is going to sound, so that later I can actually use that listening of the of the music to then influence the visuals of the story. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's kind of an unconventional way to work, but mm-hmm. it's a. Uh, it's le- it's lent its itself way uh, it's lent lent itself well to to uh, my storytelling. A lot of the movement in the in the in the film, both from the acting but also from the cinematography, is very very musical. I'm, I I I said earlier I was wondering if things were choreographed, so to speak, um, because there's almost like a dance going on, um, mm-hmm. the the almost like ballet or 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 something similar, um, both both behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. Were, were there moments like that where you were also communicating to crew and talent uh, about 
the musicality of the movement? Yeah, there's there's certainly a, a rhythm that's that's good to that was good to uh, feel through with with the actors on um, on how the scene would play out, uh, how the camera would would move at certain moments, mm-hmm. and kind of to to create like a a melodic, <laughs> a visual melodic sensation. Did you have the music in your head already at that time? Was it playing? Yeah. yeah so so you could you could. Yeah you could kind of translate uh, these cadences to to both uh, your cinematographer as well as to your actors. Right, yeah. And uh, and it certainly was a was a dance with with the actors. Um I've I've worked in the past I've worked with uh, actors who are also dancers mm. and that is that's just like a match made in heaven for me because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. uh just being able to to uh you know bring out that 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 melody in in what we're seeing is is a yeah let's let's uh let's let's get down to the brass tacks uh this was a film school production but uh as you said the budget was uh uh what kept you sort of um kept things reined in but at the same time also pushed you to to look for uh um uh, other options to make things as big and, and bold as they are. Um, what are some of your bits of advice for filmmakers who want to create something uh, magical, we're going to use that as our buzzword, but have a limited budget, a limited uh, means to to create? What would be your advice? Yeah, you talked earlier about uh, being a magician, and I'd say that uh, that plays a big role in in uh, making a film that feels big, a bigger scope than what you think you're capable capable of. Mm-hmm. And uh, with with this film, we shot it in two days, mm. so so we had to really really understand um, what was possible in each space um, mm-hmm. and what we could you know what we could do on any given day. And things didn't always work out. We actually so, um, there was actually a third version of that of uh, the daughter character mm-hmm. in in that you see her as a young girl you see and you see her as an older as a as a as an adult in the film but actually we had um a third actor playing playing an an elderly version of the character oh wow wow yeah but uh the day of uh she just something something happened in the communication that didn't work out mm-hmm. and uh she couldn't show up so um, in the moment we just had to quickly rearrange the, the the script to make it work mm-hmm. um and that's working on a on a tight budget on on a in a in a very small time frame you really kind of have to work with what you have and yeah. don't blind yourself to the to the possibilities i i actually think that being on a budget is is liberating in that you don't have to think about every little thing that mm. needs to go into the the production mm. you can use use what you have and uh and do the very most with what you have mm. so so and like i said that how we lost uh we lost uh um one of our actors the day of that gave us an opportunity to try other things so mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. always yeah. on your toes Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and less is less is more. 
Yeah. And also, then... also have a great producer because our producer, uh, T.R. Olson, mm -hmm. was a powerhouse and she uh, she can do anything she sets her mind to. <laughs> now, uh, fast forwarding to present day, um, you've uh, you've you're no longer in Florida. You are no. based in California. Yeah, I'm in Los Angeles. And um, things have have certainly evolved for you. What uh, what are some of the things that uh, you've gotten to work on since uh, you've um, left film school and uh, continued to pursue uh, this path as a as a filmmaker? Yeah, right out of uh, film school, I be I began work as a visualization artist, and mm -hmm. uh, it's actually it's my day job at the moment. I'm uh -huh. working on a a certain Marvel film okay. at the moment. And, uh, but I, of course, I'm always working on, on uh, new creative projects. And I'm, I'm, of course, looking to, to be able to be paid for directing. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now I have three stories that are, that are in the works. I like to have multiple going on at the same time, because I think they kind of feed, they can feed each other in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and the first one I have coming up is about a, uh, a female editor in the 1950s and uh, we're watching the film that she's editing uh, play out in real time as she's changing the the story completely so mm -hmm. it's a uh, in uh, you know there's that there's that saying that a film gets made three times first in in writing second in production and third in in editing well yeah. uh, in, in this story it, I kind of get to play with with uh, changing changing what a film is after the fact and uh, mm. it's it's pretty it's it's a lot of thinking involved but it's pretty fun and um what uh what kind of time frame do you do you see for uh uh this and some of your other projects to um be out there for uh some of your new fans who obviously will be new fans after they see if uh to get a chance to look at some of your 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 new work yeah um so with this next screenplay i'm looking to submit it to um to uh screenwriting competitions mm -hmm. and uh and beyond that uh you can always check out what i'm uh working on on uh, through my social media handles what, and what uh, i always handles? have oh sorry what what are what are your social media handles my uh my my instagram is at gabriel andres valbuena mm -hmm. and my website is gabrielvalbuena.com mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. yeah i'm always i'm always uh, trying to think of like new ways to tell stories and uh, new visuals that can uh, lead to uh, new films and concept art. All the art I do in terms of painting is is a uh, concept art for something in the works. So always something coming. Wow. Wow. It's exciting. And uh, well, listeners, there you have it. Our guest, Gabriel Valbuena, who brought us the film, If was the magician behind the wand that uh, kind of pulled the curtain back to reveal some of the tricks that made this film as lovely as it is. Um, Gabriel, thank you so much for joining us. I, I personally really enjoyed watching, watching If, and I'm certain that uh, our listeners, once they go and watch it, will also be equally spellbound um, by the magic uh, that you've rendered with this, this lovely, lovely film. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Akil. It's been a pleasure. And well, there you have it, listeners. We've come to the end of yet another film festival podcast. But 
just like always, uh, we'll be here every week with another exciting, magical story just like this one. So be sure to go to flickfair.com and get your festival pass if you haven't. Until next time, take care. <laughs>